0: Org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.
1: From KQED. Tonight, Democrats will wrap up their national convention with a speech from their presidential nominee, Joe Biden. Next week, it's the Republicans' turn, and President Donald Trump will take center stage. Now, there's no question that today the nine-county Bay Area is solidly blue, but it hasn't always been this way. Bay Curious listener Marcus wants to know, when and why did the Bay Area become overwhelmingly liberal? You chose Marcus's question in our March public voting round, and today we'll bring you some answers. I'm Olivia Allen Price, and this is Bay Curious.
2: behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.
1: If you ask some of the biggest names in Bay Area politics when the region became so liberal, you get a lot of different answers.
0: And I think it begins with the origins of the city in the gold rush.
1: So, sometime around 1850, but maybe it was more like the 1950s with the beats.
3: There was this whole subculture of, you know, pot smoking, jazz loving, uh, poetry writing, painting making um, people.
1: Or maybe it was 10 years later.
3: If you had to look at the one seminal event that changed things, it was the passage of the Civil Rights Act in 1964.
1: There's truth in all that. Here to explain the evolution of Bay Area liberalism is KQED Politics Editor Scott Schaefer.
4: It's a little hard to imagine now, but one of the most conservative candidates ever picked as the Republican nominee for president was nominated right here in the super-liberal Fifty Shades of Blue Bay Area. That's right. Arizona senator and conservative icon Barry Goldwater was nominated at the 1964 Republican Convention at the Cow Palace at the southern edge of San Francisco.
3: I would remind you that extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice.
4: Goldwater got crushed by Lyndon B. Johnson, who won California by a landslide. Still, in the 1960s, the nine-county Bay Area still had plenty of Republican officeholders. But the seeds of change had been planted by transplants to the city. People like Art Agnos.
0: And over the years, what I call a cultural ideology has evolved in San Francisco from that time where people come to this city seeking opportunity and freedom.
4: Agnos, a liberal Democrat who represented San Francisco in the state assembly before getting elected mayor, was one of the many people who came to San Francisco and ended up in
0: politics. Some of the brilliant politicians we see today, whether it's Nancy Pelosi, whether it is Kamala Harris, Willie Brown, Leo McCarthy, Phil Burton, all of them came to this city. Phil Burton.
4: Remember that name, because I'm going to come back to it. But first, another one of those people who headed to San Francisco in search of something better. My name is Willie Brown of San Francisco. At one time, I was a holder of public office, both at the state level and at the local level. I was mayor. Willie Brown landed in California from Texas in 1951. He enrolled at what is now San Francisco State University. Brown was steered toward politics by the NAACP, which talked about the kinds of things he never heard in Texas. Well, they talked about things like black people becoming police officers, black people driving buses, uh, black people becoming deputy sheriffs, black people ultimately becoming firemen. Back then, Brown says, the political division wasn't left or right, red or blue. There was a separation of newcomers and old-timers. We didn't call them liberals and we didn't call them conservatives, but they were newcomers and old-timers. That was in the mid-50s. San Francisco still had a pretty vibrant Republican Party. In 1955, for example, the city elected a Republican, George Christopher, as the city's mayor in a landslide. But there was also a strong alternate culture developing with beat generation writers like Allen Ginsberg. And as USF political science professor James Taylor, part of that wave of migration were black folks from the South.
3: They were not um, run-of-the-mill. These were the talented 10th, the best of the best. They came to the West Coast and it liberalized the Bay Area because it diversified it.
4: Today, much of the city's black residents have left town, pushed out by urban development and the high cost of living. But, says Taylor, they left their mark in politics and in the jazz scene that developed in the city's Fillmore District. And the conductor of that cacophony of liberalization, that guy named Philip Burton, In the 1960s, Philip Burton, a gruff, plain-spoken, passionate political strategist, begins pulling together a liberal movement involving a wide range of groups—labor unions, blacks, and gay folks.
3: Although Burton's name does not get mentioned as regularly as it used to, it hangs over the city because it set the foundation for what the power establishment in the city is right now, which is mainstream liberalism.
4: In 1964, Phil Burton got elected to Congress, and he helped Willie Brown, who was then a young African-American defense attorney whose clients included pimps and prostitutes, get elected to the state assembly. And as Brown notes, back then, Bay Area Republicans were not like today's GOP, especially in places like Marin County. And it was not conservative, but it was Republican, period. It was traditional Republicans rather than the kind that Goldwater advocated. He says at that point, there weren't really huge partisan differences on the major issues.
0: Things like uh, education and on uh, things like infrastructure or on things like uh,
4: pollution. But with the arrival of more newcomers, hippies, gays and immigrants, the social issues that sharply divide Democrats and Republicans today were starting to take center stage. In 1967, thousands of young people from all over the country—hippies, they were called—converged on Golden Gate Park and the Haight-Ashbury neighborhood for what was called the Summer of Love. The music, sex, and drugs attracted a lot of free-spirited young people to San Francisco. Some stuck around and channeled their energy into causes, like the environment and the women's movement. In 1968, Democrats held their convention in Chicago. By then, the party was divided by the war in Vietnam. The California delegation was solidly against the war, and leading the charge, Congressman Philip Burton.
0: I am opposed to the current course and conduct of the war in Vietnam. I view this war as an effort to resolve by military means Problems that are essentially political, social, and economic.
4: As Phil Burton's stature and power grew, his political army
0: became known as the Burton Machine. The Burton Machine was an assembly of people who shared what I'm calling in our discussion here the cultural ideology of San Francisco, which they turned into politics. Art Agnos was part of that machine. They brought together an assembly of people, activists, volunteers, uh, Civil Rights Act, all of that. And uh, they hung together with a loyalty because of their common commitment to the issues that they all uh, believed in. In 1974,
4: the Burton machine helped elect San Francisco's first truly liberal mayor, George Moscone. But then Moscone and his openly gay ally, Supervisor Harvey Milk, were shot and killed at City Hall, setting back the progressive cause. In 1984, San Francisco hosted the Democratic National Convention. For the first time ever, a woman was nominated to be the vice presidential running mate on a major party ticket.
1: Ladies and gentlemen of the convention, My name is Geraldine Ferraro.
4: Helping to cement the city's image as a liberal bastion, New York Governor Mario Cuomo. His keynote speech belittled President Ronald Reagan's vision of America.
0: There is despair, Mr. President, in the faces that you don't see, in the places that you don't visit, in your shining city.
4: Out of that convention came a phrase. San Francisco Democrats. It was used by Republicans as shorthand for extreme and liberal, anti-war, pro-gay rights, and supporting a woman's access to an abortion. The phrase was coined by a former Democrat who went on to work for Ronald Reagan, Jean Kirkpatrick.
2: The San Francisco Democrats didn't blame Soviet intransigence. They blamed the United States. But then they always blame America first.
4: By then, the Bay Area was moving to the left. The last Bay Area county won by a Republican presidential candidate was Napa, carried by George Bush in 1988. Bill Clinton swept the region in 1992, and since then, it's been a sea of blue. Duff Sundheim, a former chair of the California GOP, says the 1990s were when national Republicans fell off the cliff, taking state Republicans with them. Polling showed when California voters were asked who came to mind when they heard the word Republican, most said GOP firebrand congressman Newt Gingrich.
3: And we asked them what their view was of a California Democrat. It was Bill Clinton. And it was very clear that people identified much more closely with Bill Clinton than they did with Newt Gingrich.
4: Soon, the National Republican Party realized California was a lost cause.
3: Once there was a sense that we couldn't hold on to California, then those more conservative views came to dominate the Republican Party and more liberal areas like the Bay Area really went heavily Democratic.
4: By 2001, there was just one Republican congressman from the Bay Area, moderate Tom Campbell. And the number of Bay Area Republicans in Sacramento was shrinking fast. By then, issues like gun control... Gay rights and abortion were front and center. Duff Suntime remembers how hard it became to raise money from Bay Area corporations.
3: And the CEO would say, look, Duff, I'd love to write a check to the Republican Party, but if my wife ever sees that I write a check to the anti-abortion party, um, I'm going to get divorced.
4: The last Republican to represent the region in Sacramento was Catherine Baker, who won an assembly seat in the East Bay in 2014.
2: When I was in the legislature, I had a 100% score from Howard Jarvis and California taxpayers for my fiscal discipline. The same year, I had 100% from Equality California and Planned Parenthood. You know, that just was the type of Republican that I was and, and continue to be.
4: Baker sided with Democrats on issues like housing, LGBT rights, and the environment. But by 2018, having that R next to her name was a scarlet letter, and she lost.
2: I would say 80% of the feedback we receive is I, I know who you are, I like what you do and how you vote, but I cannot vote for a Republican.
4: Today, the entire Bay Area delegations to Sacramento and Washington are all Democrats. Registered Democrats by far outnumber Republicans, who are essentially a third party now. There are more voters registered no-party preference than Republicans. To Democrats, that's a complete victory. Catherine Baker sees it differently.
2: I think all the challenges that face our communities and California are best solved by both parties being in the room. Even when you don't have to have the votes of both parties, you have longer lasting, better solutions. And that's what we really need, not just now, but in the future.
4: It's hard to see Republicans making a comeback in California, let alone the liberal Bay Area, anytime soon. The question is how will Republicans remake themselves if Donald Trump goes down to defeat in November.
1: That was KQD Politics Editor, Scott Schaefer. Scott co-hosts the Political Breakdown podcast, which is one of my favorite shows to listen to while I'm making dinner. It's also my husband's favorite podcast, which, you know, I'm totally, totally fine with. It's cool. Each week, Scott and his co-host Marisa Lagos bring you intimate interviews with the people who drive politics in California. I'll drop a link in our show notes so you can check it out. Big thanks to Marcus, the Bay Curious listener who asked today's question, and to our production team, Katrina Schwartz and Rob Spate. Our show is made in San Francisco at member-supported KQED. I'm Olivia Allen Price.
2: Have a great week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Okay, our question for the month is the world's longest running pillow fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck.
1: Hi there. I'm Randhav DeFetha from ThruLine.